Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Dialogue Options Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Morrison, and uh, my co-host, Joel, is actually out sick this week. So, Joel, get better, because we've got PAX next week, and I'll be furious if you have to miss it. Uh, but to fill in for him, we've welcomed, we welcome back once again our good friend from the previous episode, Simon. How are you doing? I'm doing doing very well. I'm doing better than Joel, clearly. But uh, yeah, well, that goes without <laughs> saying, I guess, at this point. Uh, I, I'm not gonna lie. I actually do feel really sorry for him because it's always the worst getting sick just before an event that you've been looking forward to for ages, and you're not only sick, but then you're also feeling really shit because of the anxiety of yeah. being sick beforehand. You're like, oh man, I hope I'm better. I hope I'm better. I hope I'm better. Well, I had it happen to me last year, actually. Like, before last year's PAX, I got um, food poisoning, and it sucked. I was like, I have PAX oh, yeah. in a week. And yeah, I, I remember like, you mentioned oh, it. no, don't do this to me. Uh... Thankfully, I, I pulled through and was okay. But yeah, so Joel out resting. That's okay, because I've got Simon. And we're going to talk about, we're finally getting to the promised Sea of Stars <laughs> discussion, which will be happening in our quest log. So, you know, we got there eventually, better eventually. late than never. Um, but before we get into that... It's time for a bit of like pre-episode, pre pre-meet banter, and I guess for that to- for that topic, I'm just gonna drag up TGS. Like a lot of stuff has actually happened in the last week. It's been kind of surprising. I wasn't ready for it because I was like, "Cool, this is finally the episode where we're just gonna talk about video games we've been, <laughs> we've been playing." And apparently, the industry was like, "No, you're not. <laughs> Wrong choice." Yeah, so I'm I'm saying no to them, and I'm not talking about Jim Ryan or Kamiya or the Xbox leaks or any of that stuff. It's not happening. So, TGS was last week, and we were discussing it briefly before the show, Simon, but you you were blue-balled by Capcom pretty badly. Absolutely. I was absolute Like, they completely took the piss out of me, and a lot of Monster Hunter fans as well, because the series director was like, oh, thanks so much for your support with Monster Hunter and Monster Hunter Rise and Sunbreak. Like, wow, you guys are amazing. Please look forward to the TGS Capcom show. Wink. And everyone's like, oh, oh is that, that little like hint for Monster Hunter 6? Because it's been like a little bit over a year now since Sunbreak came out. So it kind of, kind of lines up. like, And, it's, and it's wrapping up, isn't it? Isn't it's, Sunbreak it's like... Done. It's done. Yeah, the final so update's done. So It's like, the stage is set. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, they were like, it's coming up to the 20th anniversary. Like, this will be cool. And everyone's like, yeah, amazing. They're going to announce like some really cool... like new game and maybe some extra bits and pieces to celebrate the anniversary like everyone's really excited really ready for it and then they're like oh yeah an update on the monster hunter franchise i'm like oh yeah here we go messaging a couple of mates like i can't fucking wait and then it's like yeah so it's the anniversary anyway uh everything else that is not monster hunter related we're just gonna talk about that now i for fuck's sake i especially felt for you because that the the lead up felt perfect mm, for announcing absolutely. the next monster like running through the entire franchise and it's like oh they're gonna end on like maybe at least the name of the next one and exactly it's like, nah, just a nah, teaser something yeah exactly uh, and the thing is as well is that capcom have reportedly said on record they have one more big game planned to come out before the end of this fiscal year which would be like march and they expected to sell well over a million copies and everyone's like okay Cool, and they're from an established franchise. It's got to be Monster Hunter, surely. Like, the 20th anniversary is in March. So, this lines up. This this should be it. Like, they'll announce it or tease it maybe at TGS, and then we'll get, like, a full, more extended reveal, probably a bit 
closer to Christmas and then our oh, full full relaunch in March. Nah. 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 Because that makes too much sense and Capcom can't do anything sensibly, can they? It is funny though, because I feel like Capcom are on a roll at the moment. Like That's the Resident problem. Evil 4 was really good, Street Fighter 6 was really good, Dragon's Dogma 2 looks really good. And then it's like and Monster Hunter, like, we, I think we all know there's one coming soon, but we're just mm. not going to talk about it yet. I'm like, just talk about it. Yeah, Come exactly. On. And then instead, they're probably going to uh, have the announcement be at, like, the Game Awards or something yeah. else. And it's like, that's cool. But why couldn't you have announced it three months earlier and had the whole hype build up and do, like, a bigger trailer or something? Like, that would have been much, much more fulfilling, I think, for the fans in particular. And I think it would have made that TGS presentation slap even harder honestly because like yeah. it was cool seeing the dragon's dogma 2 stuff and all that but you you chuck like a new monster hunter at the end of that and you got a winner oh absolutely and that's the thing is like, i it seems the the stuff was done with monster and they start moving i was like, all right i'm closing this now bye like, <laughs> the chat in the, the youtube live just died instantly like oh, the concurrent man. viewers dropped by like 60 percent or something ridiculous it was i just saw people just leaving like all right peace some of the comments were, were people just taking the piss out of Monsanto fans. Like, yeah, yeah, you're all, you're all dickheads for thinking anything was going to be announced. And it's like, are we, though? I don't think we are. Like, not really. Not in the grand scheme of things. We're not. We've been made fools of, but I don't think we were the fools for putting ourselves in that position to begin with. No, I, 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 I would say surely most people with common sense assume that that unannounced Capcom game that's coming before the end of fiscal year is going to be Monster Hunter because it has to be I mean surely they just had Resi 4 so if there is a 9 coming that's probably a ways off Street Fighter 6 just came out Dragon's Dogma 2 feels like it's going to come out later in the year so like it just yeah. seems like it's going to be Monster Hunter exactly and that's the thing again the timeline it's going to be before the end of the fiscal year they're expecting it so like well over a million copies you know, from a long-standing IP, it's got to be Monster Hunter. Like, the, the lead-up and the timing all works out with the gaps in between games and all that sort of stuff is, like, very on par for the gaps between releases. And everyone's just like, come on, it's right there. But I apparently not. Oh, well. They, they decided to whiff it instead, which was mm. a bold choice, honestly. Absolutely. Which is a shame because, like I said, Dragon's Dogma 2 was there and, like, like plenty that of gameplay camera TGS. Yeah, it's looking great. Um, also, just happy for Dragon's Dogma fans because I feel yeah. like the first one was came out and was really good. Then they did the Dark Arisen, like I guess expansion, and that was really good. And then for whatever reason, Capcom were like, "Cool, whatever." Yeah, like, here's yeah. a here's a really mid Netflix anime. Cool. Oh. So, it's like, yeah. okay. Like I know it's probably because um oh, I forget the the guy who makes it. It, it, it's Ixuno or something. The guy also has oh, Devil May Cry. Yeah. I think when Devil May Cry 5 came out, people were like, oh, okay, that's why there's no Dragon Sogma. And as soon as that was finished, they're like, huh? <laughs> and uh, here we are in a future where it's happening. No date yet, I but know. it was looking very good. Uh, and I, to, at the at the risk of retreading how last, uh, last week's discussion, so, like a solid chunk of like FF7 Rebirth gameplay got showed off at like a live stream and it was obviously amazing the game's yeah. looking incredible i just it's insane learning a lot of information from interviews which is weird like mm. confirming that vincent will take on this a similar 
role as Red 13 in Remake, yeah, where he, yeah. he'll be not playable, and I'm like, I'm really bummed, but I get it, I guess. Yeah. Um, lots of confirmation, like, interviews just casually dropping, but, oh, yeah, the Tiny Bronco will be there, and you'll be able to use it to go across, you know, shallow water. I'm like, okay, well, that's Sid. Sid's there. It's just weird, but the game's still looking amazing, sounding amazing. Nothing, nothing new there, really. I was just kind of surprised how much they were willing to show off. I rem- I was watching the presentation and I love that even the um the guys on stage were like, yeah, Nomura. Whenever we're, we're talking about what we're going to show at TGS, Nomura was always like, oh, I was really wanting to use that for the next trailer, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Nomura. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. He, he look. He's got it set up for the Game Awards perfectly to have Sid. So he's got oh, his 100%. little his little his little gold nugget nugget yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like honestly, all in all, it's probably the I mean, not to be a downer on TGS, but I feel like normally it's like, oh yeah, TGS is here. It's kind of fun. You kind of just move on from it. But between like Dragon's Dogma being playable and seeing a bit more rebirth, um, obviously it sucks for Monster Hunter fans, but you'll yeah. get your time soon. It's just that Capcom is, <laughs> for whatever reason, I don't know why, just making stalling. you wait. They're just stalling. Yeah. Just stalling. Um, but yeah, so and I think that sort of is it for our video game events until the Game Awards in December. Yeah. So. You know, we said a state of play, we had a direct, <laughs> we had Xbox's entire future leaked, I guess, essentially. <laughs> so, see you at the Keeleys if you want more massive video game announcements, I would say. And with that, I'm now going to take us straight into the quest log. Mission completed. Quest log. So, like I said... The quest log is uh, what we've been playing segment. And of course, we're finally going to talk about Sea of Stars. Uh, neither of us have finished it because life, and it's surprisingly massive. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'll let you start off something because I know that you've been excited for this game for a long time. Mm, yeah. So it was, I can't remember when it was first revealed, but I remember looking at that first sort of reveal trailer and I was like, oh my God, this looks awesome. Like this looks like just such the perfect game for me just this gorgeous pixel art sprite based game with gorgeous animations and it's a really cool rpg I was like, hell yeah this is right up my alley and uh yeah the more i saw of it the more i was like i just i just love every second of this and i was correct on that front I was absolutely <laughs> correct the music incredible the artwork incredible the gameplay really fun and isn't ever too boring which i really like yeah um i have to agree on all fronts and like it was you are right like when it was first announced i was immediately attracted to it as well as a massive fan of chrono trigger and also having played sabotage's previous game the messenger which again Mm. if you're enjoying sea of stars and you haven't heard of a messenger completely different video game but um i would say does everything right for the sort of game it is in the same way that Sea of Stars does. So you should yeah. probably give it a look. Um, and also just a sick soundtrack again. But I remember, it's one of those weird things, and I've been having this thought a lot lately with these games that, you, you know, we've been waiting so long for. I remember when Sea of Stars was revealed, and I was like, oh man, it's coming out so far in the future. And here we are. <laughs> in the future year of 2023, playing this video game. Uh, yeah, look, time's not real. And also, I don't think time works the same anymore. Like, no. there was, you know, the the way time worked before COVID and then time just stopped working properly for like two and a half years. And now in the quote unquote post COVID, 
part of the universe, time's not the same. It doesn't work right. Like someone's, I reckon there's a god that fucked it up. Like there's there's just the god of time or whatever has just gone. Oh, I've dropped it. Oh, it's all over the place now. Whatever. I'll I'll sweep it up later. I'll get I'll get around to it. Yeah, like either either he himself, the god itself, or someone was like visiting his place and knocked the clock off, and, was, <laughs> and then he's like, they've like put it back on the shelf, but like covered it with like a fern or something. So they're like they, they won't notice. They won't know it's broken. <laughs> the only thing I could think of right then is um, Mr. Bean, the Mr. Bean movie, where he tries to fix the painting. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know why that's what popped into my head, but it is. That's canon now. That's what yeah. I'm imagining when I when I think of the guy who broke time. But uh, you're not wrong. Time is weird now. Like, I mean, like we, it's the risk of bringing it up again. Like Rebirth, it feels like we just had remake, but it yeah. was in fact like three years ago. I'm like, no, wait, that doesn't yeah. seem right. No, absolutely, and that's the thing. Like, same with Cyberpunk and um, the new DLC, which apparently is fantastic. I was like, but Cyberpunk came out like six months. What do you mean three years? What? That, no, that was six months ago. Tops. Like, Apparently not. The PS5 and the Xbox Series X and they're about to be three years old. I'm like, that's but wait, mental. didn't this generation just start? Oh god. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so time is weird. But you know what isn't weird? Sea of Stars. Sea and of Stars is fantastic. Obviously, I think we talked a bit about the demo in the past, so mm. it was kind of fun to jump into the game and and actually get up to that point again. Yeah, but yeah. Straight off the bat. I immediately loved these like three main characters whose oh, names God, I've already yeah. forgotten, apart from Gal, who is the best. Love Gal. Gal, Valir, and Zed something. I can't remember his name. <laughs> Sorry, dude. No, <laughs> no it's a shame because I actually, I actually find him like a really fun character. I, I was expecting him to be a bit of a stick in the mud, but he's actually really fun. And I'm like, oh, I like you. You're cool. Zale is his Zale, name. that's it. Yeah. So yeah, really enjoyed that. All the all the introductory stuff was great with them as kids, you know, training to be solstice warriors. Um, the time skip is when it all kicks off, and when you start getting out of that little introductory area, even like that initial exploration area with like the little crystal puzzles was cool. Yeah. But when you get out into the world, obviously the game really starts, and obviously the, the star of the show really, I think, for this is the combat. I think the mm. combat is so much fun. It, yeah. It stuns me. Like, as I was playing this, I was like, why hasn't Capcom put Chrono Trigger on modern consoles? What are they thinking? What are they doing? No, no, no uh, Square Enix, not Capcom. Capcom are the <laughs> other. They've, they've messed up in other ways. This yeah, is Square true. Enix's mistake. Yeah, it is. It is. I reckon the reason why they haven't done it is because they're holding onto it as like a get-out-of-jail-free card. That's like, true. They burned their previous one with remake. Because exactly. remake was it was like if it's like in case of glass, yeah. Make remake <laughs> FF7. So yeah, there's this never one just down the hall where it's like in case of emergency, uh re-release Chrono Trigger. Yeah, 100 percent Um but yeah, if you play Chrono Trigger, you'll probably be pretty familiar with the combat in this game, because it is very similar. Uh but I do like little things it does to I guess to to give it its own personality. Like, for example, one of my favorite things about it is, like, hitting an enemy to pick up it, to knock, like, the little orbs out of them. Yeah. And then being able to, like, absorb them and imbue a standard attack with, like, one of the character's elemental classes, which is very handy for the game's lock feature. Mm. Um, and also just, like, sometimes, even if it's just a regular enemy and you know it hasn't got much health, and you're just like, you know what? I really just want to make sure. Yeah. 
So just suck them all up and just do like this massive unnecessary hit just to kill some rabbit. You're like, cool. I'm a badass. I'm a hero. Well, about it. <laughs> that's the thing as well. Like the way it is um, explained in game, I actually really like as well. Like doing magic without doing magic. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Because that's the entire like first plot point is go to the Elder Mist and learn how to do magic without doing magic. Uh, which is, side note, that's sort of where I'm at now is like just the tail. Like I'm just about to do sort of the last bit of the trial, I think, before I fight the Elder Mist himself. Yeah. Um, and I was like, what the, what are they talking about? Is it like a limit break? Like, what is this? And then it's more like a boost system from like Octopath or Bravely Default. Like it's more akin to that where you just boost an attack rather than a limit break per se which i think the combos are more like limit breaks and i really love them but we'll get to those in yeah, a moment you absolutely will <laughs> um but yeah like i i've absolutely enjoyed just destroying the last enemy because i can see that they're about to go and i'm like well if i don't use it like it's just gonna go to waste so fuck it yeah all right and then max booster just standard attack with gar and he just bashes right into them and they explode, so and I'm like, this is this is great. Yeah, it, it is. It is just it's a simple but gratifying system to use. Um, and before we get into, it, we'll talk about the combos in a second. But what I really like about it, how it, so, so this game's, I, I don't know how to really introduce introduce the system, but the enemies can cast their own special abilities, and in in doing that, you get a chance to interrupt them using the lock system. Where when the enemy is charging their attack or preparing their attack, you'll see how many turns until they use it, and then a bunch of symbols will appear above their heads. <laughs> and sometimes, until I really started taking full advantage of those little weird orbs, I was like, how am I supposed to get hit him with like a sword and solar in the last yeah. turn when I've done all this other stuff? And I was like, oh wait, I can just absorb the orbs and hit him with that, and that'll knock him out of the attack and therefore cancel it. Yeah, I think it's frustrating sometimes, though, because I feel like it comes up at really inopportune times where, like, I've just done all of this really cool shit, like, just trying to blast through these normal enemies. And then I haven't quite killed them. They've still got, like, 10, 15 HP left. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe in the next, you know, round of attacks, I'll just focus down this one. Nah, never mind. He's charging up an attack. He's got one turn to do it, and I need to him with three different things i've got to hit him with blunt and moon magic and solar magic oh, fuck oh shit i didn't i didn't leave enough room for a contingency plan i just went for it beforehand and now i'm fucked and it's like uh it's, it's one of those things where i'm like I, just, I think i just need to learn when to start using the stuff properly and when to sort of hold back and save it but uh, the timing on attacks is really fun. And yeah. get, getting the hang of that is really, really good. So that's more... I, I would compare it to, um, like, Paper Mario. Absolutely. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Where, like, for those who don't know, when you do a standard attack, you press the attack button at the right time just before your attack makes contact. And you do an extra bit of damage and basically like a second follow-up attack. Uh, you can do the same thing when when on the defensive as well. So if an enemy does use one of their special attacks on you, you can try and block it at the exact right time to mitigate some of that damage. 
But even if you do, fuck, these enemies can hurt. Oh, they can. Like, I was going to say something. I'm glad you brought that up because I've had enemies, you know, a bit further in. It starts you off pretty simple with the, um, you know, it's like, yeah, if you time the button press, you can block the attack. And you're like, okay, cool. I'm across that. And they're like, okay, but what if this enemy attacks your entire party, but one at a time? Mm. So it's like, oh God. All right. Hang on. Okay. We've got the first one. We got the second one. We fucked the third one. Yeah. Third character is probably dead at this point. I'm like, yeah. God damn it. Oh, but I've done that so many times. That brings me into another thing I really love about the game though. And it's like when a character is downed, they'll get stars above their head. And basically each one of those stars will denote a turn until they get back up. And that, because one of the things, again, I, I wouldn't say that I hate it, but I've been playing JRPGs for a long time, many, many, many years. And as soon as a character goes down, you're like, all right, next turn's going to be a Phoenix down or a revive yeah. or something. Yeah. It'll be, so it's, I'll revive them and then I'll use a potion on them and then I'll get yeah. them to heal themselves. And then uh, the last person can do a, a party shield or a buff or something and just keep yeah. us in the fight. And it's like, oh, well, that, that's a whole turn for everyone just gone. Yeah, just on support. Whereas this one's just like, okay, cool. Well, they're back up in two turns um, and they'll come back with like half health. That's enough mm. to survive at least a hit so I can yeah. buff them up if I need to. Again, small feature, but I really, I think it keeps the combat going at a good pace. And also Absolutely. in big boss fights, it's great as well because again, another JRPG is sometimes a character going down can be the difference between you winning or losing. Whereas in this oh, one, you're like, cool, they're back up in two turns. It's fine. I can, again, weather the storm, they'll be back up and they'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. Especially if one of the characters that goes down is one of the ones that can heal. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so Valeria, I don't know how her name's actually pronounced, she can't do any healing um, unless she uses an item, whereas both Gal and Zale can. And... Zayo's heal is really good for, like, a little bit of healing when you're like, ah, oh, they just need to touch more. Like, they're, like, three quarters of their HP. Oh, they, they just need a bit of health. They just need to be topped up a little bit to make sure that they don't get, like, super unlucky and die. Whereas Garl's heal is just like, oh, yeah, this is this is perfect. I love Garl. I, he's, I'm, look, probably slightly biased, but he's absolutely my favorite character so far i i'm a sucker for a character who has no power like mm. so the whole story the whole point of the story is these two main characters valir and, and zael are both like essentially superheroes they're, they're yeah. blessed with these powers of solstice solar magic and and like moon magic so that's great they're really powerful and girl's like i can cook um but i'm coming i'm coming yeah. it, it like Samwise Gamgee, that's what it is. He the Samwise Gamgee, yeah, I love, absolutely. I'm a sucker for that archetype. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, because he's he just tags along. He's like, we're childhood friends. You you motherfuckers think you can leave without me? That'd be ridiculous. Yeah, that, like, that ain't happen. Yeah, I'm coming with you. I was and, an eye with you guys. <laughs> yeah. God, that was brutal. Like, yeah. fucking opening like 20 minutes of the game. Kid loses an eye. Insane. Fuck. Um, that's but, a cool scar though. It is. It's a very cool scar, and also Gal is just fantastic, and I love him because I really like characters that can do cool shit with shields, and he is one of them. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think his title is like the Warrior Cook or something like that, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> so good. Uh, but yeah, so we, as you mentioned, though, the characters do have their. Um, I guess sort of like limit breaks, they're like the combo attacks, which again, mm. if you're familiar with Chrono Trigger, you'll probably get how it works. 
but the, these combo attacks basically are done with different combinations of characters. Um, some of them, some you know, basic ones will be two, but I have had advanced ones now that are three characters, which is pretty rad. And but you you accumulate combo damage by just doing damage, which is nice. Mm. And I think maybe I think if you time the hits right, give a double hits. I think that gives you a bit gives, of a boost. Yeah, it gives you more. Uh, gives you more points towards your combo bar, which is yeah. quite nice. Yeah, so this combo bar has three tiers, and building it up is is simple, easy, satisfying, and the game tells you very much very early on. It's like, hey, look, um, when you leave battle, this is gone, so just use it. And it's like, yeah, oh, I don't have to worry about stashing it. I can just pop it. I know it's it's nice. It's just really nice to have that as a like free to use resource. Yeah. Which, yeah, I I think it, it adds to, as you mentioned earlier, just sort of having the combat just flow a lot better. Yeah, it feels snappy. Not, yeah, you're, like, you're not sat there going like, oh, I'll hold on to this for that moment, I'll hold on to that for that moment. It's like, no, just just go for it. Just, why not? Yeah, don't, don't sweat it, man. You got, you got this. You got, you, it'll be gone afterwards and you'll get it back next combat. doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, and also, again, you haven't gotten to this stage, but it's probably not... You'd probably be happy to hear this. There are also like ultimate attacks. Oh, I do like the sound of that. So that one is um. So the combo meter gets like a, it's got like a little rainbow border that can go around it, and when you fill that up, you can pull off a character's ultimate. I've only gotten one so far, but it's pretty cool. And the best I can describe it as it's sort of like a um. Imagine like a sprite based sort of like summon for the one oh, okay. I have. It's like it's pretty neat. Pretty neat. That that's um, cool. So yeah, combat feels really good. Leveling up is fun. I like that mm. it has like the roulette feature where it's just like, hey, this time you can pick from these stats. Yeah. Yeah. And I do like the fact that it feels like it's quite balanced. It never feels like you're missing out. Like, ah, oh, for example, with like Pokemon, if you if when you level up a Pokemon, there's a chance that you might not get any points into something like defense. And you're like, oh well, fuck. Like, I really needed a couple of extra points in defense for my defensive Pokemon, but I'm not getting anything. And then in this, it's like, well, look, here's your choice of three things. And if you, whatever you pick, cool. The next time you level up, you'll probably get different options. Yeah. I, I Use that to your, like, min-max how you want, or you can have everyone be kind of like jack-of-all-trades or specialize however you want. It's fun. Like, I really like that. And and based on what I've sort of noticed, it seems like the one that you pick won't be there next time. Yeah, sort of to encourage you to pick a different stat. Yeah, which I, I like that. And I also, which, speaking of leveling up, I <laughs> so much of what I love about this game is just how streamlined it is. Yeah. I love that the leveling is based party-wide, not yeah. characters. Yeah. So, like, when you pause the game, there's, like, a little bar at the top of your screen, but it sort of is filling up as you as you kill enemies. When that fills, the entire party gets a level up. Don't have to worry mm. about someone falling out of sync or anything. You, you get a new party member, you can happily throw them in if you want to, not worry about it. It's just so many small things, but it just makes the game so much easier to enjoy. Yeah, because yeah, that's, I guess, part of it as well. Is like a lot of JRPGs and stuff will have, you know, oh, well, you're meant to meet this character when you were, like, level 23, but because you went and did all of the extra side quests first, well, now you're level 28, and they're level 23, so well, you can bring them along, but you have to grind them up a little bit, and yeah, that's so much extra work, whereas I like the idea you just swap party members as you need. Yeah, in, in combat as well, which is neat. Mm, 
Yeah, I do. I, like love, I love that feature. That's one of my favorite things from Final Fantasy X that not enough other JRPGs do, in my opinion. That's fair. Just like, just let me sub out mid battle because again, there's nothing worse. So, like I remember when I was doing one of my one of my first fights, I really started to use it. I went into an encounter, and the enemy chucked off their locks, and I was like, I can't do that damage type. Mm. And that's when I sort of found out. I'm like, oh, I can I can swap them in for no consequence. Oh, brilliant. That concern's now gone. Yeah, it's one of those things like from Persona Five. Oh. You know, it's it's a thing that you can do, but having to unlock it is such a pain in the ass. It's um, so late. It's yeah. tied to a social link. It's a nightmare. Exactly. I love that game, but that's a mistake. <laughs> exactly, and like when you when you do finally unlock it, you're like, why the fuck was this locked behind the most boring? fucking girl in the game whoa, whoa that's a slight uh, lie um, i'm exaggerating yeah i, I was gonna say she's Arn, lovely Arn is there. Arn yeah. is there. <laughs> oh be nice to Arn. she deserves better <laughs> sorry Arn. i love persona 5 and all its characters except <laughs> probably yusuke i guess <laughs> yeah 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 except I, I love that one moment with the lobsters that's hilarious that is that was great <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that's leveling up great, combat great. I'm trying to think of what else I really want. Oh, I also want to talk about the... Um, so like every other RPG these days, the game has its own sort of spin on a cooking system. Mm. And once again, the game keeps it nice and simple. I love that you... So you can cook camp. Like camps, campfires are great. You can, if you see one in the world, you can go, you can rest there. You can set up camp and actually talk to the characters and there's another character you get a bit later on who can tell you stories and stuff which is neat i love her um, character design as well yeah she's oh great she's great and yeah but cooking very simple you sit down you usually usually like two or three ingredients maybe they're everywhere through the world so i feel like i'm always picking them up which is great um and yeah you sit down you hold on you just hold down the x button on playstation but in the right hand corner of the screen it just plays out like a side sh- slideshow of just like the cooking process, and it's just it just makes me feel good inside. Yeah, it's cute. I like that. And as well, I, I also like the fact that whenever you see a campfire, you can rest, and that's a full heal. Yeah, and that's it. Like you just can carry on, like no problem. Just have a full heal, go. And it's not a super convoluted or extensive process, and it's not sitting there like ah. Oh. I'm I'm gonna use Baldur's Gate three as an example here, because when you need to take a full rest in Baldur's Gate 3, well, suddenly every NPC that you haven't spoken to for the past three days is like, hey, by the way, can I talk to you about, like, this earth-shattering, hugely important piece of lore? No, you're going to go to bed. Okay, well, I just won't ever mention it to you yeah. ever again. See you later. It's like, <laughs> fine, I don't want to talk to you either. Yeah, and then... <laughs> Cross your arms and turn away from me. <laughs> yeah. They disapprove of that, and that's it. <laughs> so, you know, like, it's it's nice to, I guess, coming off of the back of Baldur's Gate, because played a lot of that, um, just the whole full, like, the full rest is just quick, it's easy, it's straightforward, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, it's literally, you go to a campfire, you pick rest, the screen fades to black, plays a nice little jingle, then you're good to go. Like, the setting up a camp thing being completely optional was a great mm. idea. Like, it's nice oh, to yeah. go in there and sometimes get those little bits of lore. But, like, again, don't have to do it. You're free to do whatever you want. It's just a good idea. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And speaking of jingles, the music is phenomenal. My God. Oh. the I mean, so much of the music is amazing, but holy shit, the boss theme. 
I love that music so much. It it goes pretty pretty hard. I'm like always tapping along to it. It's just like oh, this is great. It's just I know whenever it comes to the end of the year, I'm like, okay, cool. I gotta pick my best music. What's it gonna be? There's always one where I'm like, I'm sure there are some other people who are just like looking through the list of me, like, oh yeah, like Final Fantasy 16, this grand yeah. like soundtrack, um, Boulder's Gate, lots of gorgeous music. Absolutely. What is this? I'm like, this this is art, is what this yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, oh man, that's that's, that's going to be a really fucking difficult choice for me to make this at the end yeah. of this year. Because I think Tears of the Kingdom did a really good job with a few of its themes, particularly at the climax and the finale. Like, oh my yes. god, I was ready to cry. Um, Final Fantasy 16 has... Uh, it's Soken. I sing praises about Soken... At any opportunity I can, for a damn good reason. Um, and even like on that note as well, like Final Fantasy fourteen, the music that's been coming in with the patches has always been really damn good. And yeah, like Sea of Stars is just—I don't know. There's just—it's almost got like a little mystical quality to it. I think. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I guess part of me goes. If I were to, if I had the ability to create music to this level, this is exactly the sort of thing I'd love to create for this sort of setting. Like, it's just, it matches perfectly. There's no, like, out of touch moments or there's nothing I've, I've experienced so far. Where I'm like, oh, it doesn't quite fit the theme or the mood or anything like that. Like, nah, everything just, is, it fits perfectly. Yeah, exactly. No, what you I, want. I absolutely, I absolutely agree. I'm desperate for this soundtrack to get released somewhere digitally, mm. um, or if I could, just, I'm sure I could probably buy it now if I wanted to. But like, yeah, I just need it more accessible for my my precious ear holes, so I can yeah. just like listen to it and vibe <laughs> to it. Especially that boss music. My friend linked me to a YouTube video of the song. I'm like, it's like I keep the tab open at most times now, just in case, in case I need a, a pick me up. I'm like, nah, jump over to that boss music tab, and that's <laughs> gonna get me going. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I'm curious if it's available on PC, now that I think about it. I don't I know. mean, it'll eventually, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there everyone has their own opinions on the on the platform, and I don't blame them, but the Messenger soundtracks are on Spotify, so it should eventually come to that. Fingers crossed. Um, so, yeah, it's just a matter of time, I guess. The game is still pretty fresh, uh, but yeah, soundtrack, absolutely top marks once again. The only one I'm, the only, the only thing I'm leaving at this point, because I'm not sure how it'll wrap up his story. So far, it's, again, without giving anything away, I'm enjoying the pace it's going at. I was talking to you before the show how I feel like the story just keeps going, and which is mm. fine, but it does make it hard for me to, like, I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll just end my session here, because I'm always like, oh, I feel the urgency of doing this next thing, no, so I guess I'll, I'll go do it. So my, my play style for this game has just been chunky sessions. Like, I'll sit down and play for, like, maybe five hours and then not come back to it for a few days and yeah. then sit down again and it's like another five hour block so i guess yeah. it's got me hooked if nothing else but that's uh, that's good and it could go it, it could go anywhere at this stage yeah fair enough but the the problem for me is that i just haven't had anywhere near as much time as i've wanted to put into yeah. this because i did the like sort of opening chunk um just up to the time skip in one evening loved it and i was like oh hell yeah and then 
couldn't play for a few days and then i was like all right i've got a little bit of time i'll do the next bit and got a little bit further but no we couldn't couldn't play for much longer than i think maybe about 20 minutes and then that happened again and again and i'm like oh man, i'm just like so unfortunate because i is, just yeah. want to sit down and just play this game but i've got to talk about it with you first exactly absolutely it's, look it, it sucks when you know life's mundane nature gets in the way of just enjoying yourself in, in mm. these make-believe worlds but you know when you get to sit down and enjoy them it makes it even more satisfying uh and i know you're still early on is there anything else about sea of stars you want to you want to say here before I, I move us on um look just if you like games in general just being good play this game check it out there's a free demo at the very least try it out because it is fun it is, it is really, really fun. It's on both Game Pass and the oh, the middle tier of the PlayStation subscription. Yeah. So if if you're on either of those, like, just just give it a shot. Just give mm. it a download. Hundred mm, percent. And it's also available on Steam and Nintendo yes. Switch, of course. So yep. If those are your platforms of choice, try the demo and then jump in. I promise you. It will be worth your time. Absolutely. Cozy little RPG. Sabotage. Second game, as far as I know. I think so. Looks yeah. like another hit. Yeah. But I did mention I'd be moving us along. And it's come up a few times already. But And I, I have talked about it a little bit, but I've actually had a chance to play more of it. And I know Simon's played a whole bunch of it. So oh, yeah. I'm just going to bring him back Baldur's Gate 3 again. Sorry, everyone. But it's, it's <laughs> fucking awesome. I love it. And plus, like, Simon hasn't had a chance to talk about it on a podcast, so I have now's not. his time to shine. Uh, I will say that I have just hit Act 2. So, I'm still, I guess in the grand scheme of Baldur's Gate 3, still pretty early on. Like, I, yeah. I'm maybe an hour into the second act, so I'm sure there's plenty to do still. But this game just keeps on giving, and I love it. Mm, there is, it just doesn't end at times when you're like, ah, oh, yeah, this, like, Fun little quirky side quest that I thought about in Act 1 continues on and has super major consequences at the end of Act 3. And you go, well, fuck. I should have expected that. I didn't. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well. <laughs> um, and, like, even, like, little things where I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to move to Act 2 now. And I opened up my map and I was like, I haven't been down that area of a map yet. Mm. So I went down there and I was like, how is this all hiding here? Like, it just was there. Like, the best example for me is obviously, again, like I said, there might be some light act one discussion in here. Nothing too bad. But I fully explored the overworld, and I was like, cool, we're all good. They want us to go to the Underdark next. I'm sure it'll be, like, a nice little area. <laughs> I go on the ground. It's like, no, the Underdark's massive, man. Yeah. And then there's Underdark. still areas that offshoot off of that. I was like, all right. Yeah. Settle in. Yeah, and I guess. See, I, I think act one is perfect in terms of breadth and depth like the amount of stuff that is in there and really well thought out and consistent with itself is phenomenal there is so much it's it's a perfect sort of encapsulation as to what D&D as a concept can offer and Baldur's Gate 3 just knocks out the park like it's really damn fun Everything's really well thought out. Everything that you do will have some form of a consequence eventually. 
you know, some of them show up in act, some of the consequences show up in act two. Some of them don't. And some of them don't show up until, you know, the latter half of act three. But they are still somewhat important and there are still like echoes of what happens that, you know, go through the story with you. So it's really cool. And the Underdark itself, I think, was probably my favorite, not favorite thing, for lack of a better term. Like, I went in there and I was like, oh, God, like, the Underdark, I've got some some trauma from being in the Underdark, playing D&D with my friends. Uh, so, you know, I was like, oh, God, not the, not the Underdark. Like, it's an intimidating place. It is. We- absolutely, it is. And of course, you see the size of the map and you go, oh, God, this is really intimidating. But they handle it, I think, in a really good way where it's like, look, the whole the whole of the Underdark is fucking huge. We're not going to worry about that. We're just going to worry about this one segment and then another little segment. And that's it. Those are your two bits of the Underdark that you can interact with and deal with. And it has all of the standards that you'd hope for from the Underdark, but also they don't make it too dark or scary, you know, despite the fact it's the Underdark. Um, so, you know, like they, they make it approachable. Yeah. And I really like that. I really like the Myconids and their quest line and some of the stuff you can do and into like the people you can interact with and little side quests that you can pick up. Like there's a, an apothecary and she's looking for a husband. You can find the husband. Um, you can save the husband. You don't have to, you can. Uh, you could try and save the husband and then fuck up and, you know, whatever. It's, again, it's it's D&D. It's like... Did you save him? Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Too. <laughs> uh, I think I had a, like, telekinesis scroll or something. So I oh, just... That's handy. So I just telekinesis him and just picked him up from where he was and threw him on the ground next to me, healed him, the set off really- the, explosive, the explosives behind him, like, oh, you're fine. The thing that really stung me was like, I did that. I went in there, I got him and took him out. And I was like, excellent, we're done. And his wife was like, oh yeah, if you find a noble stalk mushroom, I was like, yeah, you, you bastards. All right, <laughs> we're going back to the poison spore mushrooms, guys. Get ready. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> but there's there's loads of like really fun, just little bits and pieces to just deal with, basically. You know, some of the NPCs that you meet, in Act 1, you see again in Act 2, and you see again in Act 3, and they go through a bit of a progression as well. And they share some of that journey with you, and it, it feels really fun. Yeah. I um, I actually, I, that's a good point. And I found, again, I won't give anything away for people who are, still, who are still fresh on, but based on decisions I made in the first Act, certain characters felt inclined to do certain things. And then that had consequences in Act 2. And then I met the third said member of that little trio of characters. And he was pissed at me. He's like, why mm. the fuck did you open your mouth? This wouldn't have happened. I was like, um, I guess... That, that, like, my character was like, I guess it's my responsibility to find them. He's like, no, it's my responsibility. Yeah. You go save the world or whatever. I was like, oh, I mean, I probably deserve that, I guess. I did, I did meddle maybe more than I should have, just encouraging these guys to play hero. But uh, <laughs> it's my bad. Yeah, and um, uh, I won't I won't give too much away, but um, depending on how you approach that whole situation, there are a couple of different results. Um, I 
experienced one of the negative results during my first playthrough with my friend uh, by accident. <laughs> so I'm going to put this out there um, for anyone who hasn't played much of Baldur's Gate 3. There are a few, I guess, quests and locations and events that are kind of proximity based and they are timed. There's like, for example, in Act 1, there is a house the mansion yeah. place that is burning, that is actively on fire. And there are people in there. And if you are too close, it activates the timer in the background. You do not see it. You do not know. You can walk past a burning house and go, I'll come back to that. And you come back to it and it's too late because everybody's dead because the whole thing burned down because you weren't there to save them. Or you can just go, well, clearly there's a burning house. I've got to go save the people. And you run in there and you can save the people and happy days. Look at you. Go hero. Fantastic. Good job. Or, you know, you could just kind of do both. You could go in there. You could save the people and then kill them immediately after. It's D&D. &D. Do what you want. <laughs> That's true. You, you, in fact, have the power to do whatever you want. Yeah, there's there's so many like great NPCs which let you capitalize on that as well. And also, I, I think um, like some of the ways you can acquire like different party members and stuff, depending on what you do, is a really interesting concept. Like there are some, if you choose the good option, there might be a, an NPC or two that won't join your party because they're like, you're too much of a goody two-shoes and I kind of hate you for that. If you do the super evil option, then there's a couple of NPCs that might be like, bro, what the fuck? That's that's kind of that's kind of messed up. Don't nah, nah, man, I'm out. Like, good luck. See ya. And you don't get them again and you don't get to experience their story. And it's just I like that. I like the fact that there is direct consequences to all of your choices for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> It's great as well because it feels like you have a reason. You know, I know I know Baldur's Gate Three is a massive game, mm. but you, you can you can literally hit the end of the game and be like, "I wonder what the other side looks like, though." That's a hundred percent what I did with my friend. So we we finished our playthrough, and I was like, "Wow, that was amazing!" And I'd also been doing a solo playthrough because I was like, "Ah, oh, I want to do a solo playthrough because I want to pick." all of the good options i want to do all of the good things you know i like playing a paladin so you know i created a paladin and i created a couple of other characters to go with and you know having a great time doing all of these good things um because i like that and i know that my friend doesn't always enjoy the very good person they enjoy the chaos a little bit so like cool. i'll happily do like my sort of neutral run with them i'll do my good run by myself and then we'll do an npc playthrough which is what we're doing at the moment. So we've chosen a couple of the pre-made characters. We've picked up a couple of the others into our party, and that's sort of the run that we're doing at the moment. So it's like, ah, oh, nice. I'm not just role-playing what I want to do. I'm role-playing what this character wants to do. And that's really fun. That's that's a good time. There's actually a good time as any to bring up that cast of characters because I, I mean, I haven't met them all yet. <laughs> I feel like I've met most of them, but I love them all dearly. And I want nothing bad to happen to them. They are, for the most part, pretty fantastic. They are. There's a few characters. I, I've seen a, f a few of their stories play out. Um, uh, like Lazel and Karlak 
and Shadowheart. I've seen their stories full, like fully through, and they are wonderful characters. They are incredibly well acted. I love the voice actress Karlak. She so good. Is so damn good, and Karlak is just one of my favorite characters now. Like, I love I, I love her. Like, I wasn't even the one that was like romancing her or anything that was my friend my friend was romancing her and i was just listening in on their conversations and i was like man like what what a lovely tiefling she is like i just adore Karlak so much she's so much fun and the energy is just great and the actress just especially for Karlak's like conclusion and like some of the some of the big moments that Karlak gets to have because her story like ties directly into the narrative and one of like one of the other big bads and it's, oh, it's just so damn good and the moments she gets to have is just so fantastically well done so like huge shout out to the voice actress and the animation artists and like just the mocap people because they all did a fucking phenomenal job absolutely i was going to say like i just hit at the act 2 part where everyone's stories update and I got to Carlax update. I was like, "Oh God, we must protect Carlax at all costs." Yeah, <laughs> she's so good. Nothing bad must happen to Carlax. Yeah, <laughs> but even even um Lizelle as well as a character. Yeah. I know oh. there's been a lot of discussion online about her and about how people yeah. don't like her. She's fantastic, she's... and anyone who says that they don't like her is just wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely as well. She like un- initially she is very abrasive, but like mm. she has a very specific beliefs and goal and yeah. it's just like that doesn't always align with ours but the journey even just the journey you go on through act one with her when i went with her i was just like mm. you're excellent i love you yeah yeah absolutely and she because yeah she she absolutely she's very set in her ways she has very strong convictions and beliefs and is very stubborn about those as well like she she isn't one of those people you're like oh well maybe i can kind of convince you to see the other such she's like nah it's my way or the fucking highway. And even before the end of Act 1, a lot of that gets challenged yeah. really, really well. And in a very, like, natural feeling. Like, none of it feels, like, ham-fisted. It doesn't feel like the DM's, like, railroading you into doing a particular thing. It's presented really well, really naturally within the game and the setting. And she, as she starts to, like, open up towards you, you're like, girl's got trauma. Yeah. I like this. Trying to, like obviously, yeah, Gale when he got when he gets past his fucking magic items eating, like I'm like, all right, like your story. I'm now interested in your story again. Initially, you were an issue that I got sick of, where it's just like Gale's got an exclamation mark over his head. Time to he feed him a shag. <laughs> yeah, but I I kind of didn't dislike that though. In all fairness, because like particularly in Act One, you get a handful of magic items which don't really do much of anything. Like I think there's one, and it's like a robe of warm summers or something and it's like provides resistance to cold damage and i'm like that's nothing like that's that's a nothing item yeah i will feed that to get and gail is like oh thank god mm, i'm delicious and mm, let me eat this robe and i think it's actually really good from a like mechanical perspective as well a really good way of making sure that you as a player don't end up hoarding too many magic items early on in the game because i want to give you a couple of magic items to make you feel good because a couple of magic items 
make the happy juice in the brain. But <laughs> too many magic items. And it's like, oh, well, there's nothing the game can throw at me that I won't be able to handle. So Gale acts as a very good sort of balance for that. When you're like, well, That's a good point, actually. Like, oh, yeah, like like that rope. Oh, I, I don't need it anymore. So I'm, I've never needed it. But, you know, oh, I don't need it anymore. I'll give it to Gale. Or I had like a, a hand axe, which could do a bit of fire damage. I was like, well, I've upgraded from that to this really cool longsword. Gale can eat that. I, I don't need it. And if I sell it, it's only worth like 200 gold. It's just a free disposal. And also, yeah. like, you're not going to be hurting for gold as you play no, this game. Especially no. if you sort of do everything. Like, I, I got pretty rich. Especially because my character is, well, obviously, my my origin was criminals. So, you know, <laughs> sometimes I, I cut deals with people I, I work with and my party members are like, well, I don't agree with that. I'm like, yeah, but my bank balance does. So. Yeah. You can yeah. thank me when you're wearing a new shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carlac, don't complain. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's funding your hammer. <laughs> uh, Will is great. His story, very interesting. Like, again, I could just go through each of the characters and be like, but these characters are all great. But yeah, I think, because I didn't even touch on Shadowheart. Um, Shadowheart. Shadowheart can't hit anything, but at least her story hits. <laughs> yeah. I, look, honestly, her her story gets... I, her story probably has the most like active prominence in Act 2. Everyone else is kind of takes a backseat. Her personal story has a huge connection to the area that Act 2 takes place in, and it challenges a, a lot of things for her, and it's really, really cool. Like, the Shadow Heart that you enter Act 2 with is almost definitely going to be a different Shadow Heart to the one you leave Act 2 with, and that is awesome. That's awesome. It's yeah, so that. well handled. And I think Act 2 is... It's not as deep of an experience as Act 1, but the things that are there are a little bit more intricate and there's a bit more history and there's more backstory added into all these things. Like Act 1 is like, ah, yeah, look, you're in this area, whatever, it's this area, just deal with it. And there's a few little bits and pieces that you can sort of tie up together in terms of lore and, and background. But Act 2 is like, no, no, this place has significance. This place has history. These people that you're dealing with have history and importance in the world. Like, there's a lot going on. And it's all there for you to explore. And you can investigate literally every single detail that you want to investigate. It's really, really well handled. And I I do also like the shift in tone because <laughs> Act 1, ah, it's a D&D &D game. Act 2, it's a murder mystery horror game. Now just deal with it. Yeah. I guess because Act 1, a lot of it is like setting up the stories you're going to follow through the game. Mm. Um. But yeah, like you said, you can investigate a lot of things in Act 2, even, even if you don't need to. Like, there was, as like, one, there's a dead body that I did speak with dead with, and it was just, like, in an area marked with a bunch of magic torches. And, um, this is like, yeah, like, we use these torches to keep the shadow hounds away. And Lysel's like, we should extinguish these torches and kill those dogs. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Sure, why not? I got better to do right now. Let's kill yeah. some dogs. Yeah. Just because a party member was just like, let's do it. I'm like, Sure, I like you. <laughs> I like your can-do attitude. Whenever a party member weighs in, I really like it. Mm, yeah, I, I like that as well. Um, I think one of my one of my favorite ones. This is a little bit more of an Act One spoiler, but not not massively. Um, if you meet Carlac and you have Shadowheart in your party, she makes a really funny comment. She's like, "She looks like she could pick me up and carry me over her shoulder to safety." 
should 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 the need arise, of course. And it's like, <laughs> all right, Shadowheart, I see you. Is up, is up. But also, I get it. Yeah, like I'm, I'm on board. Like, I agree. Look at her. Look at her. Come on. Like, come on. Yeah. She's 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 powerful, but really positive, and I love that. that that's the other thing as well. Like, just got to go back to Carla because oh, yeah, I, I love her. <laughs> but that's the her thing. Look- her little it's, idle dance is amazing. It's so funny sometimes as well. Like, you'll be in the middle of, like, serious conversations. Like, oh, so-and-so's been murdered. And, you know, oh, it's tragic. And, you know, we're all trying to investigate and find out who killed them. And the murder weapon's got to be nearby. And then just in the background, Carlac's just dancing on the corpse. <laughs> Carlac! <laughs> oh, come on, man. Read the room. <laughs> yeah, I did read the room. It didn't seem very interesting. Yeah, yeah okay. so I decided to do a little dance and said, oh, there's a dead body here. Oh, well. Oh, well. No, no biggie. But Will, Will's a really fun character as well. So the NPC playthrough that I'm doing now with my friend, um, I am playing as Gale, and Will is my companion. And some of the like fun little bits of dialogue you get just for having him in your party is really funny. So my friends decided to take Lazelle with them. And Lays- Will's constantly trying to hit on Lazelle for some reason. And I'm like... Why? Like, what? um, That's what's so funny. Like, my Lazelle, she slept with someone in the party at camp. Well, she wanted to. And that that I don't, I think they wanted to talk. And she was just like, what is up with that? (laughs) This is, do you just want to talk? This is boring. (laughs) Just like, I I love the way the party members can just sort of interact in the background behind you. It's just really neat. Yeah. It reminds me of one of the things that, again, like, my, my, probably my favorite Bioware game. This reminds me of Dragon Age Origins, which I wish would get a proper fucking HD remaster because I love that game so much. Yeah, um, yeah. Just the way party members can talk is just great. Them weighing in is great. And what you said about Shadowheart is reminding me that I probably should supper into my team mm. back too. Like, it's so hard to pick a team because I love them all. Like, I want to yeah. take them all with me, but I cannot. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing that I really like is the fact that you can reclass them if you yes. want. Yes. Withers can help you. I love Withers as well. He's really funny sometimes. He's just like, humor is so dry. It's, it's not played off for a laugh, which is what makes it even funnier. So good. And sometimes you just be like, shut the fuck up, skeleton. And he's like, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fine. You know, you do you, buddy. Um, but yeah, like, I, I like the way the game lets you respect however you want. It literally just costs you 100 gold. Just. Oh, can you help me change my class? Yeah, cool. Here's 100 gold. Done. And you can respect however you want. Um, and yeah, just the fact that you can do that with the pre-made characters as well is really nice. Because having Shadowheart be a trickster domain cleric is sometimes really frustrating because trickster domain kind of sucks. Uh, having her be like the storm... I, I think I ended up respecting her into like a storm cleric and that is awesome as fuck so i bet i bet she hits when you do that oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's great it's so much more fun uh, the the main thing i initially was using shadow heart for was um guidance obviously i mean i found a pendant mm. that did it i was like not a personal shadow heart but the, the pendant does your job yeah yeah that's fair but again, now, but as you get further in, I immediately want to bring her into my team. But I've also got a really good team. It's just like, ah, oh, that's why I guess they're like, just get it on playthrough too. But even that could be different based on choices mm. you make, dialogue you say. Like, it's just like, the game is massive, but 
I don't feel like I'm overwhelmed by it because I'm just going, yeah. on, a, going on a journey. It's awesome. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, this game really does lend itself fantastically to replay value. It's just, you make a bunch of choices. What happens, happens. But it always leaves you with enough questions where you're like, yeah, but what if I did the other thing? What if I fed the child to the hag? You know, what benefit do I get out of that? And yeah, you can quick save and you can save scum and, you know, do it if you want all in the one playthrough. But that takes time and the game takes a while to load because it is so huge. And it's just way more fun to, like, make a choice and stick with the consequences a lot of the time. I just think that's way more enjoyable than not doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's the, old, the old save scum yeah. conundrum. Uh, I actually had the, the, the one moment in Act 1 where I was like, I wonder what what if I just said this, was when, it's very early on, so it, I think it's fair to talk about, when you're down near the hag, she's not a hag at that point, but when you're near the, in the swamp area, you can meet a vampire hunter. And I actually mm. had a steroid in my party at that time. Ooh. And just like... Talking to this guy's like, yeah, I'm looking for this vampire Asterion. Asterion's like in the background being like, Alright, okay, this is this is a thing. And then after it was all said and done, I was like, Oh, see you later, dude. And Asterion's like, We're just gonna let him go. We're gonna <laughs> let him leave. And it's like, yeah, it'll be fine. Asterion's like, fuck, man. Are you kidding me? That's the other thing as well. Asterion, I love him as well, and his voice actor is phenomenal. Incredible. And just all over the place on Twitter at the moment. And he is so funny. And just Asterion gets so many, like, really well thought out lines. Like, I know that there's something you can do in Act 1 which basically, like, blows him up. And you can resurrect him, obviously. Um, and then he has a go at you. Like, he fucking berates you for it. He's <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? Why did you kill me? And you're like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I thought you would have been able to resist some of it because of, you know, this, that, and the other hand-wavy nonsense. And he's like... Well, clearly, there's a difference between a nice summer's day and the fully concentrated power of the sun. <laughs> God, like, so, so good. Oh, love that. Absolutely love, again, the, just the whole fucking cast for this game are yeah. phenomenal. And did, also, you, uh, did you oh. let Asterion bite you? Um, <laughs> I did, actually, on my Paladin playthrough. I was like, mm, yeah. you know what? You, you Fine. And and then he's like, thank you, like, really appreciate it. It's really funny on the first playthrough with my friend. Uh, she failed the role to convince him to stop. Oh, no. So mm -hmm. he just killed her? Outright? Yeah, just oh, outright oh, killed her oh, and then had to go oh, at him and was like, bro, dude, what the fuck? And he was like, I'm sorry, it won't happen again. And she was like... Fine. <laughs> I'm watching I'll, I'll forgive you, but... <clears throat> Uh, my favorite thing about that entire interaction with Vesterian is the conversation you have later and you can berate him for it but I like that my resolution with him in the end was just like okay look you can eat the guys we kill yeah and he's like cool that's that's fine look, I'm like excellent I mean I'm gonna be honest I think the argument that he makes for that is actually really like fair it's like they are gonna die anyway and yeah. you know what like it will keep him healthy and happy you know what like that's that's not a bad point but that you do get some really funny options as a druid where you can be like no no only animals and then he'll be like well what constitute like what, where are you drawing that line like what's a person and what's an animal and you can be like well anything that can't talk and he's like you're a druid 
you talk to animals. Like what? So what? Am I am I supposed to just try and get some blood out of a tree? Actually, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if you could talk to trees too. So it's like, good. Oh, just I love it. There's just so many like just fun options just thrown in there. And when you look at like some of the stats for this game, and it's like there's like a trillion fucking recorded lines of dialogue, and you know seventeen bajillion different consequences for everything you can do. It seems really overwhelming, and you're sat there, and you're like, oh, man, like, if someone said that to me about, like, an open-world game, I'd be like, nah, fuck, like, nah, that's way too much. That's way too big of a game. But because Baldur's Gate 3 just handles it all differently, it's like, it's a linear story, you have a few branching paths, but it all comes back around in the end, and it's just options during that whole thing. That is so much more understandable, and I guess sort of comprehensible for your brain if someone yeah. someone said that about an open world game i'd be like I, I literally can't fathom how big this game must actually be whereas when you say that about like an rpg like Baldur's gate 3 where it's all just you know what class are you what race are you you know what things have you done it's like ah, oh, okay, that's way more understandable for me and i love that about the game like almost no possibility has been left unthought of yeah, it's just that they nailed it. Like, I, I sang its praises when I was very early on, back when I first talked about it. But now that I'm, like, 40, 45, maybe pushing 50 hours, and I've just hit Act 2, I can say absolutely that this game's incredible. Now, I, I have heard things about the later acts performance-wise. I'm hoping on mm. PlayStation 5 it holds up okay, or at least, like, the, the improvements can beat me... In, as I progress, because I'm, I'm taking it slow. I'm on the rush, so I'm mm. hoping they'll they'll get there before I do. But otherwise, like I have, I don't think I have any complaints about this game. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, it's it is it's just fantastic. It's so well made. And yes, look, uh, I have experienced lots of bugs and performance issues in Act Three in particular. Um, do I think it ruins the game? Nah, not at all. It's one of those things that you sort of learn to deal with pretty pretty well and you're like yeah like you know what i can deal with this like the the end result is always worth it so highly highly recommend this game um just it's so much fun it is so it absolutely fun. is and like again i haven't tried i think i'm gonna do a, a um a co-op game when i finish my first run but having that as an option is just great like mm. that's one of my that's one of the things i loved about divinity original sin 2 oh god just like doing a full co-op run of that game was so much fun. So that's yeah. why, like, I mean, I played the first Divinity Original Sin, so I was like, oh, yeah, that's neat. But Original Sin 2, I think, was just straight up better. So when I heard they were making a Baldur's Gate game, I was like, well, I am there. They were like, yeah. you can buy early access now. I'm like, I'm done I'm done it. Here's, like, here's $90. I don't care. Yeah. Give me. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the thing, because my friends and I had... I had been told about Divinity 2 for maybe about a year or so. At the point where I was like, "All right, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just fucking play this game," because my friends and I were like, "We just, we just want a fun RPG," and I was like, "Oh, I've heard about it's Divinity Two. I've heard it's really good. You guys want to play it?" They had a look. They're like, "Yeah, sure. Like, why not? Like, all right, cool. We'll just, we'll just play it." We fell in love with it. We did, I think, three runs back to back in Divinity Two. We just loved it so much. And then it might have only been about six months after that we got the first sort of teaser trailer for Baldur's Gate 3, and we saw that it was Larian Studios, 
And we were like, what the fuck? This is perfect. This is absolutely phenomenal. We are there. And yeah, we, we yeah. all bought and played during Early Access. So uh, it was quite interesting. We only did, I think, Early Access once. Like, we only ran through it the one time. Um, which, that was quite interesting. Um, sort of seeing some of the changes between when I played it and then now at full release. Just some some of the extra stuff they've added in, some of the things they've polished and just refined, and I'm like, I honestly don't think that there would have been a better game to do one act like early access thing than Boulder's Gate Three. Like it's just phenomenal because that means that they've had a look at because again, like Act One is is such a good like sample platter of all of the things that you can do and all the way you can inter all of the ways you can interact with things. So I think obviously it was a really good uh, like tool for the developers to use to go, okay, well, people are complaining about this interaction not working the way that they expect it to. Okay, well, where else have we got that similar sort of interaction playing in later acts? Okay, cool, we can try and fix it up for everything else and then we'll do a little patch and yeah, cool, wonderful. It works everywhere now as you would expect it to. And it's just, yeah, it's just been so fun watching it expand to what it is yeah i i love larine like i remember there was some discussion going around the web because i mean obviously Baldur's gate one and two play differently to this one they were more real time not turn-based and i remember seeing people being like Baldur's gate three being <laughs> turn-based what the hell i'm like how do you how do you play D D, man yeah. i play indeed turn-based if i ever play it like yeah absolutely what the hell think of the spellcasters <laughs> yeah <God. laughs> and that's the thing like uh, as someone who plays D, D and in fact i'm preparing to dm a campaign um because boulders gate 3 has taken that much of a fucking hold on me like it is there's a difference between when a game grips you and like hooks you into playing the game and then when a game like just takes over your life that is what boulders gate 3 has done for me because i was like ah oh, i love playing D D with my friends it's great um boulders gate 3 phenomenal and i was looking up things relating to boulders gate 3 which of course then led to YouTube's search, like, recommendation algorithm going like, ah, oh, Baldur's Gate, eh? What about mm -hmm. some other D&D &D stuff, hmm? And I'm like, yeah, because I like d, d And then it's like, hmm, yeah, I bet you like D&D. &D. How about you DM a game then, hmm? And I'm like, well, fuck, now I want to DM a game. Oh, you twisted my arm. Like, God, damn it, YouTube. Damn it, Larian, this is all your fault. Trace it back to the source. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of if there's anything else before we move, before we wrap up that I want to say about Baldur's Gate. I just combat's great, music's amazing. I always, no matter what permutation or version or take on the theme it is, when it gets to the part that in the character creator can has like the down 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 by forever, I'm always just, I always sing it. I'm like, God damn it, fucking yeah. There are so many different ways they get to that, or many different versions of that theme. Every time it happens, I'm like, no, down 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 by forever. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it always. I always think about it as well. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what? So, they, so they, they fucking did it. The clever sons of bitches. Even the main menu screen is incredibly cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big fan. Just, yeah. Like I mid year, I was like, oh, Tears of the Kingdom. It's got Goaty in the bag. <laughs> Halfway through Baldur's Gate three, I'm like, uh oh. I have to choose. <laughs> Look, I I do still think Tears of the Kingdom has it because act. Three is 
such a pain point in a lot of ways. Um, but will it be by the end of the year? Well, <laughs> look, I reckon, yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to give you just a little bit of a story about... It basically encapsulates my huge frustration that I had with one particular quest where you want to try and save some people. I'm not going to give you many more details than that, right? Just to cool. keep it nice and vague. It's Act 3. You want to save some people. And I am trying my absolute best to save these people but they're part of the part of the fight they're like no we want to we want to fight back against this nonsense that's going on and you're like okay that's fine but you guys are squishy and the things that you are fighting are very much not squishy and they can kill you in like two hits if you're not careful and i spent i don't know how many goddamn hours trying to save every single one of these people because I'm like, that's what I wanted to do. I'm like, I want to I wanna save every single one of these guys. Because what's the point in not saving all of them and only saving like four of them? No, I want to save them all, right? So I do that. But oh my God, these fucking NPCs have a death wish. <coughs> like I, I had my sorcerer up on like the rafters and one guy got absolutely whomped during one turn and i'm like oh man he's got like a six hp i will use telekinesis and bring him up on the rafters next to me oh no. cool so he comes flying up into the rafters he takes like an extra two hp's worth of damage because impact damage or whatever i'm like all right fantastic and then you know next turn i can get the cleric to heal him i can you know go from there cool his turn comes around and the fucker teleports right next to an enemy oh my god to do a level one spell which misses and so the enemy on their turn just turns around kills him i restarted i i quick saved before that because i was like i have a feeling this fucker's gonna go kill himself <laughs> right i restarted from that save point more times than i can fucking count and if it wasn't him, it was someone else. They had, like, this really weird bug, I think, in their AI, where they will run out of range. They will just run through a group of enemies, taking attacks of opportunity the whole way. So it will take, like, four different attacks of opportunities. And they'll, they'll run off. And I'm like, okay, cool. They're going to turn around and then do a fireball or something like that. They just cast Misty Step right back into the middle of all four of those enemies that they just oh, ran away from. And okay. I'm like, That's, that sucks. why are you doing this? Like, I'm not even asking for them to be like super fun, active in combat or anything. I just want them to not literally kill themselves. Yeah, be believable. That's, like, no yeah. one's going to do that. No one's going to run through the enemies and then misty step back into them. I know. And that's that's the thing. Like, that's, it's, okay. that's a lot of, that's a, a massive encapsulation. And look, some of it is self-inflicted because i'm like i want to save every single one of these guys but i don't feel like the game should be punishing me for wanting to do that and it felt like it was yeah. and that's the thing like it's very few that and far between that you have moments like this but when they happen god they are a pain in the ass and you just sat there and you're like oh like it's so it's such a shame like it's, it's almost a heightened negative because the rest of the game is so good yeah, like, I, I, I can see what you're saying about it feeling self-inflicted, but I think, again, as I said, all you can ask for is for the AI to act believably, and exactly to think a person would run past enemies that are trying to kill them, 
and then backstep straight into them. Yeah, yeah that's a bit that's a bit too much for me. Like I because I, I did a fight at an inn in the second act and I lost a couple of empty NPCs there, but at least that felt believable. It wasn't yeah. like they were idiots. They were engaging in combat at safe and sensible in safe and sensible ways, and they died as a result of that. They didn't yeah. like put themselves intentionally in harm's way after survive. Yeah, I definitely yeah. get that. That would, yeah, that would be frustrating. And that's the thing. Like the act three is has quite a few sprinkles of that in some really unfortunate places, and it does that plus the performance impacts and you know some of the other things that happen in act three like narratively speaking can be really frustrating to deal with and it's such a shame because it that's like one of the one of the only like tarnishes on an otherwise perfectly shiny diamond like yeah it's so damn good and the systems are robust and everything's really well thought out and when Larian do a DLC, because you're not... Larian's like, oh, we've got no plans for DLC. Fucking bullshit, right? <laughs> you, level cap is level 12. D&D goes up to level 20. There is no way in hell you thought, yeah, we'll just go to level 12. That's fine. No, you were like, we'll go to level 12 for the main campaign. And then we'll increase that by another eight levels when we release the expansion DLC that we're going to do in a year's time. Because that's absolutely what they're fucking doing, Larian. And I know you... I, I mean, they, they probably they probably need that year to get ready for those high level spells to oh. balance the game for that. Yeah, look, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But like, soon, even even in like Baldur's Gate three, when I got the ability to attack twice in a turn, I was like, oh, I feel much stronger now. Oh uh, yeah, look, level five is a huge power spike both in D and D and also yeah. in Baldur's Gate three. So that's the thing. If you are struggling with a couple of combat encounters early on in Act one, don't worry. There are other things you can do. There are quests that you can resolve diplomatically, which will give you as much experience. Sometimes I feel like it's more. Um, you know, and you get either the same reward or sometimes better rewards, and that all will help make you feel a hell of a lot better and a lot more powerful. And as your classes get higher levels, there's more and more stuff you can do. Uh, fighters are crazy oh, powerful at late later levels with just my my yzel is like untouchable like yeah. she she just goes she just kills things she kills yeah. things that she attacks she kills things that attack her like yeah. just kills yeah absolutely and that's i i think um at one point during my playthrough we we're fighting fighting something very strong uh with a lot a lot of hp and between karlak and lazel we managed to take it down to less than a quarter of its HP in one round. So badass. It was so much fun, and it was so silly. It was just the perfect combination of, like, just the, just everything going the right way you want it to, and a couple of extra, like, lucky crits and stuff. So absolutely a fact. But damn, it was funny. You're just like, oh, super powerful, extra strong guy. <laughs> Not anymore. I could talk about Baldur's Gate with you longer, but yeah. <laughs> instead, I'm actually going to wrap this show up so I can go and play some Baldur's Gate. That's a good idea. Um, but first of all, I want to thank you, Simon, for joining me on this episode. This actually is our 250th episode, which <laughs> is a, it's a lot of episodes. That is. Landmark episode to finally touch on Sea of Stars and go back into Baldur's Gate 3. But, so thank you for being here with me, Simon. It was oh, a thank, lot of fun. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm in the... the, the prestigious position where i guess to do the intro and the outro so 
As always, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Dialogue Options Podcast. We do appreciate you lending your ears so we can rant into them about games, news, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us at mostly at, over at, at Twitter, unfortunately. I know it's a hellscape <laughs> and we can never escape it, but uh, we have a social media only for us. But if you if you look for us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. We are just Dialogue Options. Uh, go give us a follow. Tweet at us like our stuff i don't really care just do something um if you want to follow if you, whatever podcast platform you listen to us on as well any sort of review or share or a thumbs up you can give us definitely helps and counts and makes all the difference uh we do appreciate that and of course um i'll take this chance again and once again shout out that uh joel and myself did appear on love letters this week so definitely go and check that out jesse had us on the show to talk about how much we love packs and why it's special and really it just Served to get me super excited for the fact that PAX is, well, I guess by the time you're listening to this, is probably like within a week, but it's around the corner and I'm, I'm pretty much ready to be there right now. Uh, so yeah, go and check that out. Go go give Love Letters a lot, some love and share it around and yeah, get on board. As for our individual accounts, you can find me on Twitter where I'm at LemonManX, where I tweeted about, oh yeah, Rebirth, Love Letters. I haven't really, oh, you know what? I retweeted the announcement of the tales of the shire game because your cozy hobbit life awaits in tales of the shire i'm like is this gonna be a hobbit life sim game because i could lose my existence to that um so i need to see that more of that game fantastic holy shit yeah if that if that is what that is i you won't see me for like a month when that comes out uh, but where can they find you simon uh you can find me at psi 41 where um at the moment, I've just been talking about the fact that I'm trying to DM and I'm having creative ideas far beyond the scope of my abilities because, as is the curse. As I say, it sounds like the DM problem, really. Mm. And then just yeah. knowing in the back of your mind, you're going to craft this world and then your players are going to talk to some NPC you hadn't planned about and like go on some wonderful adventure but you're just like well that's not the direction that was supposed to go but okay well thankfully for the first i'm running a pre-made campaign Sidestepping <laughs> uh, so, that yeah i was like you know what look i i'm new to dming i've run like one thing as a dm before so i just kind of want to like give myself the best chance of doing okay this is the Makes easiest sense. thing i can think of all right, then. Well, as always, a little wonderful outro. Take us out, and we'll catch you all next time. Bye. Bye. options podcast